who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Empty Set Entertainment presents Slay, created by Scott Sigler. This story is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Well, hello there, Junkie. Welcome to Slay episode number 19. I am already hard at work on my next novel titled Ant Snippin. That is A-N-T-S-N-Y-B-N, which is an acronym for awesome novel that shall not yet be named. I'm actually under an NDA on this one. I can't tell you what the book is about while I'm writing it, which means I can't tell you much about the book until the publisher says so. And I have no idea when the publisher will say so. I've asked. They're thinking about it. So I don't know what to tell you. It's just crazy stuff in the world of entertainment, you guys. But what I can talk about is Slay. I'm starting to angle the story toward the finale of season one right now. I think the next few episodes you hear are all part of me crafting this tale toward a big finish, a big blockbuster summer tentpole movie finish where all the elements come together. And I think there could be uh, 10 more episodes, maybe 15. I'm not really sure. I already have plans for Slay Season 2, many of which I am seeding in Season 1 right now. And since you're listening to this, you're listening to me talk right now, you're listening to Slay Season 1, I think you like Slay Season 1. So hopefully I finish Season 1 very strong and entertain the living hell out of you. Let me get you caught up in the story so far. And then we're all going to go say Ant Snippin three times fast. Previously on Slay. The bills are piling up. Lincoln owes Bengals a lot of gold, and he owes the contractors fixing up the old stone church 10000 bucks. He doesn't have either, but Billy has ten large stashed in his room at his grandma's house. To get it, Lincoln has to make a solo run to a neighborhood where Oleus Oakbeard, Boss Hog, and the Flechette sisters might be waiting. Still reeling from the wounds of his last fight, Lincoln needs to bring home that bacon or the entire gang will be fried up in a pan. And now, episode 19 of Slay. Magda didn't see Lincoln off. She stayed on the couch, kept an eye on Billy. She didn't want to leave him alone with Ariella, not for a moment. 
not with the way the woman had come out and asked Lincoln to kill the kid right there. Ariella sat on the armrest of the old recliner, watching Billy the way a heron watches a fish swimming just below the surface. Billy remained on the floor, cross-legged, dragon out cold in his lap. The kid was all of a buck fifty to start with, sitting there in Magda's pajamas, his bloodshot eyes as big as saucers, his fingers nervously twirling the dog's ear, his face bruised, and his lips split. He looked like an abused, frightened ten-year-old. Lupine, Magda said. You got a last name? The kid looked from Magda to Ariella, then back again. I'd rather not say. Ariella laughed. You just sent Lincoln Franks to your house. Do you think your last name's going to stay a secret? Billy looked at Dragon's little ear, kept slowly twirling it. The dog started to snore. She likes you, Magda said. The kid smiled a little. He looked exhausted. The dog hates me, Ariella said. Did you hear her growl at me earlier? Well, maybe Dragon was a good judge of character. Magda's sense of smell, the metaphysical kind anyway, wasn't as sharp as it had been during her fighting days. Still, diminished as it was, she grokked what Link had said. This Billy kid didn't have the scent of a killer, didn't have the scent of a violent soul who preyed on others. In a way, that was a good sign. For Lincoln. He hadn't killed this kid offhand just to get paid. The bounty hunting life hadn't corrupted him. Not fully. Not yet. Magda took a swig from her fifth of Jack, offered the bottle to Billy. He eyed it for a moment, glanced at Ariella, then shook his head. Yeah, no thanks. He wanted to stay sober while he was in a room with someone who'd campaigned for his death. Smart. Ariella flipped open Baphomal's big binder of bounties. The contract doesn't say who wants you dead, she said. Fifty grand is a decent payday, but there's something else going on here. Only a soakbeard, he doesn't get out of bed for less than 150 large. The Flechette sisters mainly operate out of Denmark. Boss Hog out of Alabama. Pragman's home base was Rio. Bounty hunters can chase contracts anywhere in the world, true, but all these hitters coming for just 50 grand? It doesn't add up. Who wants you dead, little B, and why? Billy was quiet for a moment. Magda could only imagine how the boy felt. Some seriously hardcore killers had come after him, and the reality he'd known all his days had been ripped away, exposing the raw, magical world beneath. It was Dante Ogunov, Billy said. I set up a drug deal for him. Lincoln crashed the party. Maybe Dante thinks I double-crossed him, and that's what brought Lincoln. But I didn't. I just wanted to make my ten grand and get out. The same ten grand Lincoln would hopefully soon bring back. A bad bit of news named Kalista sent Lincoln, Magda said. She runs this city. Same woman wants our Karen here waxed. Billy sat a little straighter. Dante mentioned Kalista. Right before Lincoln killed my... Before he killed everyone. Dante said he was setting him a business in this city and he didn't care what Kalista had to say about it. Ariella threw a quizzical glance at Magda. For once, Ariella's haughty look vanished, 
although her resting bitch face was something that probably never went away. Callista sent Link, Magda said. Dante was operating in the city without her permission. She had Link send a message to get out of town. Billy slowly shook his head. A message. He did more than just send a message. The kid wasn't just scared. He was bitter. He was hurt. Had he been tight with someone Lincoln killed? Ariella closed the binder. So Dante sends big hitters to take this kid out as, as what? Some kind of payback? It doesn't add up. Unless Lil Peen here knows something Dante doesn't want getting out, Magda said. How about it, kid? You have any knowledge of Dante's operation that he'd want to make sure you can't talk about? Billy thought for a moment. I don't think so, he said. Maybe the local contacts? I don't know anything about Dante's Miami operations. Oh, there was one thing about Kalista. One more thing. That alley I was in, there was a guy there called the Nerp Perp. You heard of him? Yeah, Magda said. Small-time dealer. Doesn't hurt anyone who doesn't pay him for the privilege. What's he got to do with Kalista? The Perp told Pragman he was under Kalista's protection, Billy said. Pragman said he doubted Kalista's protection would amount to much pretty soon. That surprised Magda. Kalista is a bad motherfucker. If someone wants to take her out, they better pack a lunch and bring a lot of heat. A lot of heat, Ariella said, as she stared up absently into the nave's peak ceiling. As in Oleus Oakbeard, the Flechette sisters, Pragman, and Boss Hogg. What if Lil B here wasn't really the end goal, but a catalyst for something else? That theory fit the facts. Like a tryout, Magda said, to see who will operate in this city for Dante so he can take out Kalista. Simple and effective. But Dante doesn't have the resources for this. Ariella stood. Not that I know of. Maybe somebody else is backing him. I need to think. I'll be in my room. Binder clutched to her chest. She left the nave. Her room. It had been Lincoln's room. Not that he used it much. When he wasn't out collecting heads or killing monsters, he spent most of his time here in the nave, just like Magda did. Lincoln's room was shit anyway. Let the bitch have it. Magda took a double pull of Jack. So Dante wanted to kill Kalista? Good. Let them slaughter each other. She again offered the bottle to Billy. He again shook his head, slower this time, as if pure exhaustion was dragging on his every movement. His hand slowly stroked Dragon's fur, from the back of her little head, down the spine, to just above the snoozing dog's tail. Magda, Billy said. Can I ask you a question? Magda nodded. Sure. How did you get those scars? Magda's hand started to reach up, all on its own, reaching to touch the old wounds, but she stopped herself. She felt the pain anew, felt the claws of the umatakan ripping down the side of her face, exposing her cheekbone to the cold winter air. She felt the teeth biting down on her thigh, felt the snap of her femur, felt the pop, pop, pop of her toes, being broken one at a time. I was a Rixator, she said. Me and Link both. Billy stopped petting Dragon. What's a Rixator? 
Good Lord. This kid knew nothing at all. He was a babe in the magical woods. You're enlightened now, Magda said. But you've only seen a sliver of what's out there. Monsters live in the patchwork. Evil things. Things that want to hurt and kill. Whatever you saw in the past couple of days, kid, it's a fraction of the nasty shit that's out there. A fraction. Billy started to tremble. Not a lot. Not an epileptic fit or anything. But Magda could see it. Dragon sensed something was wrong. The dog woke up with a start, whined, stared up at Billy's face, as if to try and comfort him. But Billy didn't need comfort now. He needed the truth, or at least a taste of it. There's an organization called the Bastion, Magda said. For millennia, the Bastion has dedicated itself to fighting evil. It trains foot soldiers for this war. Some foot soldiers are trained to use magic. Those people are called adjurators. Others, they train to fight up close and personal. This time, Magda couldn't stop her fingertips from tracing her scar. The dangerous shit. The savage shit. Those people, those people are called rixators. Billy closed his eyes. He seemed on the verge of tears. Dragon couldn't stand it anymore. The little dog put her paws on Billy's shoulder, licked insistently at his face. The kid's face wrinkled in disgust, but he made no effort to push the pup away. Lincoln told me this dog doesn't lick people in the face. Link says a lot of things, Magda said, with varying degrees of accuracy. Billy swayed slightly, the fatigue catching up with him. You need sleep, Magda stood patted the couch. Take a nap. I'll watch out for you, I promise. Billy didn't even stand up. He crawled to the couch, got in, and curled up in a fetal position, his butt toward the cushions. He looked more like a battered little kid than ever. Magda pulled the blanket over him. Dragon hopped onto the couch, curled up in a ball atop the blanket in the nook of Billy's feet. The kid was out like a light. Howdy! I am Scott, the author of this story. This episode is sponsored by Factor Meal Kits. Eating better is easy with Factor's tasty, ready-to-eat meals. There are 35-plus different options to choose from, including Protein Plus, Keto, and Calorie Smart. Want more tasty math? There are 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor meals are no prep, no mess. A box of meals ships right to your door, saving you time. Unlike those runs to the grocery store, if you know what I'm saying. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. I have eaten a bunch of Factor meals, and I got to tell you, they are really good. So head to factormeals.com slash Sigler50 and use the code Sigler50 to get 50% off. That's code SIGLER50 at factormeals.com slash SIGLER50 to get 50% off. Do you know how much you have in common with some of your favorite celebrities, leaders, newsmakers? I'm Evelyn, the host of Reppin, where you'll meet notable people you think you know. You'll find out who they really are and what they represent. 
Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts. Butch hadn't seen the inside of the old donut shop in a decade or so. He'd gone there as a little kid when the neighborhood hadn't been quite this bad. The place had gone out of business, its windows and doors boarded up. Turned out the back door worked, though. A fat old lady dressed in dingy black lace had opened it when white-suited, white-hatted Boss Hog knocked. Inside, the place hadn't changed a bit. It showed no neglect of time, as if it had been a working business all along. The old lady had gone into the kitchen and was cooking something that smelled downright awful, like sour milk mixed with hot burned hamburger. Butch's crew took up half the place. Eight men sitting in three booths, plus two more at the three stools by the counter. Boss Hogg sat in the seat across the table from Butch and Money Monday. Boss Hogg's two trench-coated extras from the Matrix movies stood by the back door, watching everything from behind their mirrored sunglasses. I say, I say, I'm, I'm glad you boys are still with me, Hogg said. We find little B, we carve up that 50 grand, just like we discussed. It's not just about the money, Butch said. My man Big Hack went after Billy. We haven't seen Hack since. Well, I say this here Hack feller, he's probably dead. The guy helping little B is a pro. He'll kill you as soon as he looks at you. Now, I can handle him, but you can't. So when you see little B, you need to leave him alone and let me know where he is ASAP. Make sure all your boys here understand. Butch was most certainly not going to leave Billy B. Billy was going to pay for Hack's loss. And Butch would be there to cash that check personally. We understand, Butch said. Hands off, Lil B, right, y'all? Around the restaurant, heads nodded. Good to hear, Boss Hogg said. Now, you said Lil B lives around here with his grandma? That's right, Money Monday said. We can go have a talk with her, get her to tell us where he is. Butch felt a twang of guilt. Grandma Middleton had always been so nice to him when he'd been a little kid, when he'd been hanging out with Money, Joe, Billy, and the other neighborhood kids. Would he have to threaten Grandma Middleton? Would he have to slap her around some? No need for that, Boss Hogg said. Not yet. We want Little B's home base to look normal, to look safe. You and your boys need to blend in. Keep a constant watch out for him. You see him, you call me. The old woman in black came out of the kitchen carrying a donut box with the lid open. She waddled over, set the box on the table in front of Boss Hog. Butch's nose wrinkled, both from the bad smell and the sight. The steaming balls of fried dough had black and green mold spots all over them. There's your soul holes, mister, the woman said. Enjoy. Butch started to look away, but he stopped. Were those donut holes quivering? Hey, man, Money Monday said. Is your food moving? Boss Hog closed the lid. Of course not, of course not. Trick of the light is all. I say just a trick of the light. Now don't tell no one about this here donut shop. This is where we'll meet when we need to. Now, y'all better get out there and start looking.
Lincoln pulled his ratty coat tighter around his shoulders and kept on walking down the sidewalk. Cold out tonight. His cloak would have kept him warm, but he had left it and his armor with his bike, which he'd parked some ten blocks away. Both armor and cloak, especially the cloak, were major league meshwork, and sometimes meshwork was detectable by those who knew what to look for. And Oleus Oakbeard knew what to look for. Lincoln turned right into an alley, just as Billy had instructed. The kid's place was one more block up. Second floor unit. In and out, don't wake Grandma. As long as no one saw Lincoln come or go, it was an easy job. But if one of the bounty hunters did make him, and he had to fight without his armor and cloak, his odds weren't great. Lincoln burned no threadwork on disguising himself. Just the old coat and an old knit hat with a few bits of strategically placed garbage on it. Another homeless man in an area full of them. He hoped it would work. And there was Billy's place. Lincoln stopped, sat down, put his back against a building, and he watched. He'd left Shitbird behind, too, because the Flechette sisters would now be on the lookout for that crow. Three o'clock in the morning. People came and went from Billy's apartment building, but not many. No sign of Oleus, the sisters, or Boss Hogg. Lincoln stood and continued on. He saw the drainage pipe that led from the roof down five stories to the ground, just as Billy had described. The window of the second floor room was right next to the pipe. The kid used the pipe to sneak in and out of the place without his grandmother knowing. Lincoln scanned as he walked. He saw nothing. Sooner started, sooner done. He climbed the pipe. The window was locked, but Billy had said he had rigged it. Lincoln did what he'd been told to do. Press in on the top pane, push up quick, then right quick. The window's interior spring lock flipped open. Billy had made that shortcut? Nice work. The window slid open without a sound. Lincoln smelled WD-40. He slipped in silently, closed the window behind him. A small bedroom. Cozy. A shelf with small rec league trophies. A poster of Jay Cotter, a star basketball player for the Lumencia Lancers. Old report cards pinned to the walls. All A's look like. It bummed Lincoln out that Billy could never have this life back. Not after going to the patchwork. Billy was enlightened now, exposed to the world's true dangers. And there were no backsies. Lincoln made a mental note. Start training that kid how to fight as soon as possible. The little computer desk sat in the corner. Barely big enough even for someone as small as Billy to sit. An old PC, and behind it, a stack of thick, beat-up hard drives salvaged from even older PCs. One of them had a big dent in it and had a flat, multicolored cable that was ripped and frayed. Even to the eye of a cracked-out burglar, this drive was dead forever, not worth taking, not when there were other, newer-looking drives to pawn. Lincoln picked up the battered drive. He opened the hidden catch Billy had told him about, and the top slid off. Inside was a brown paper envelope crammed into fit. Inside the envelope, 
a stack of Ben Franklin's. How about that? The kid had told the truth. And he was smart enough to realize he needed to give up this money to keep himself safe. Lincoln liked Billy. He wasn't sure why, but he liked the kid. A sudden chill washed over Lincoln's skin, and he froze, motionless. He sensed power, dark power, and lots of it. Someone was close. Oleus? Lincoln didn't think so. It felt different than Oleus Oakbeard. This raw power smelled of black tar and sawed bones. Lincoln was instantly certain that he had never sensed this person before and that he did not want to meet whoever it was. Another player, a mystery player, had joined the hunt for Little B. Lincoln shoved the envelope into his pocket, put the top back on the drive, and placed the drive back in the stack. He was out the window, down the pipe, and back into the alley fast, like a cockroach scurrying from a sudden light. He shuffled toward the street, leaning into his homeless man role. Almost out of there. Two young men stepped into the alley. Hey, motherfucker, one called out. What are you doing back here? Fuck him up, Balake, the other said. He needs to learn. Lincoln did not have time for this shit. He turned and shuffled the other way, heard the two men hurrying after him. A chase would draw attention, a fight even more so. Burning threadwork was a risk, but it was also the shortest distance between two points. Lincoln turned the corner, ran to an old Buick parked along the sidewalk. He gripped his belt buckle with one hand and whispered, Aperi mihi. The trunk opened without a sound. Lincoln crawled in, pulled the trunk mostly shut. He heard the young men run out of the alley, imagined they were looking this way and that. Balake, where'd he go? I don't see him. It's just a bum anyway. Come on, let's do a walk around the block, see if little B shows his stupid face. Lincoln stayed still. He breathed slowly. He counted to sixty, then quietly got out of the trunk. That dark power, the power that smelled of tar and bones, it was stronger still, closer still. As quickly as he could walk without running, Lincoln Franks left Littleby's neighborhood behind. You have been listening to Slay, created and read by Scott Sigler. Copyright 2023, Empty Set Entertainment. For more information on the author and more books, visit scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Superweapon. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Ever since I was born, I could hear the spirits of the other world. Where old stories take on a new life. If you break even one of these conditions, the consequence is death. And the world is teeming with possibilities. 
It's Midnight Girls! They're here! Get ready to change! Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz! Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with as you've never heard them before. You are no more than a demon! Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales.